We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello. Coach Henderson, we're doing a Mavs Moneyball Live following the... Dallas Mavericks defeat of the Nets, 115-98. to It was a rather entertaining game, despite uh, James Harden being the only one of the Nets' big three able to play. We had uh, Kevin Durant missing the game because of a hamstring, and Kyrie Irving missing the game because of a shoulder that Rachel Nichols described as fatigued. I don't know how a shoulder can become fatigued, but that's that, and the Mavericks played a, a very, uh, I don't know, borderline awful Nets defense uh, and were able to run them out of the gym in a really surprising uh, turn of events on an ABC national game. That brings the Mavericks back to 500, 16 and 16, 8 and 8 away, and 8 and 8 at home, which is pretty spectacular for me. Uh, compared to, you know, the way it felt like this, the season could be going at some point. So, so I'm pretty pleased. And tonight we opted to go live. Uh, Josh had some things he was taking care of tonight, and I didn't want to harass any of our staff into joining, though, since uh, my main man Tim, also known as House Mavericks on Twitter, has joined. I suppose I probably should have put this uh, to the vote to see if anybody from the Maz Moneyball staff wanted to come in. Um, looking at the game as a whole, uh, let's just really start at, at the top with the, the guy who I think really sh- is essentially the player of the game. Uh, I was been kill- I've been killing him uh, in podcasts, not him personally, but really you know what the Mavericks expect of him lately. And 
uh, Dorian Finney-Smith posted an incredible stat line, 12 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, 5 of 6 shooting, 2 of 3 from downtown, to go along with 2 steals and a block and a team high plus 24. It was the kind of uh, Dorian Finney-Smith game that essentially results in uh, why you see the Mavs are, are, were willing to, to go with him as the starting small forward. Uh, Ryan Mainville, also of MavsMoneyBall.com, has joined the the locker room and, and is giving me grief for not noticing him. Um, well, let's get right to, to some of the questions, then we can circle back to the game. Um, don't want to butcher your name, friend, but uh, uh, who, uh, is it Huda Aiden? I apologize if I, if I got that wrong, but asks, why is KP kicking over chairs? Am I crazy for thinking that's weird as hell? Absolutely not. I was going to get to this in a little bit, but I try to start these things off by not losing my mind. And I really appreciate uh, Chris Stapps Porzingis for giving me an opportunity to just lay into his chicanery early. He had a, a, a you know, fairly efficient looking stat line, 18 points uh, on 7 of 13 shooting, 4 rebounds and 2 assists along with 1 steal and 3 blocks. Uh, Porzingis was, mm, they did the thing that I don't particularly like where they force feed him the basketball in the post. He wasn't good and he wasn't bad with those post ups. He had a really cool dunk over James Harden, but he also, uh, as was noticed, kicked the chair that the announcers consistently talked about when he didn't get a ball, when he didn't get a pass that he wanted and then followed that up with a 40 foot three point brick from the from the uh, logo. So it was really something else. So Tim Yeager is going to join the chat here. Uh, Tim, what is going on? What's up, Kirk? What's up, everybody? Man, this was not a game for KP to be kicking chairs. It makes no (laughs) sense to me. Like, it was a great game from start to finish. They never got closer to, I don't know, I can't, I mean, it it wasn't, I think maybe what, it was maybe got to single digits for first few minutes. I can't remember of the third quarter. Or whatnot, they they but... moved along with the game though. They didn't do the Mavericks yeah. thing where they get a lead. And so I just, I mean, he's probably the only thing that would make me understand is if he was frustrated with himself after that, just stupid half court heave with 21 seconds left on the shot clock. Probably. But if, but if it was for anything else, then that's ridiculous. <laughs> and it just goes to prove what we kind of are speculating uh, just with everything in his career that he just is emotional and can throw these little temper tantrums to a, that are different than Lucas. Lucas are very in the game. It's competitive. Him seem to be very inward focused and selfish. And um, I don't know, man, it's, it's, it's strange. Can, can I say something though? I, I, I do think I'm okay with the Porzingis hissy fit now and again, if he plays angry yeah. and to start the second half, he was a grump. And he also was flying around the court, and he hasn't done that. So, so in that respect, I was really kind of getting getting a kick out of it. You know, well, Ryan in the chat noticed, uh, and I agree with this, by the way, Ryan, that he looks way better doing face up shots instead of posting up. Well, I mean, that helps when you're seven three, and Bruce Brown, who is six three, is guarding you, and and he he just I, I don't know. It was. It was kind of a wonky game from KP. I probably shouldn't kill the guy, but this is just sort of the way of things. Ryan, what's going on? Ryan? Yeah, I'm here. Hi. <laughs> Hello, what's everybody. 
Yeah, that KP thing. <laughs> you sound so happy. I just think it's funny. Like, he, he can't really, like, back anyone down. And he, he didn't really try to do that tonight. Like, and we saw when he did, like, he got ripped by Joe Harris. Mm-hmm. But I think it's funny just how, like, he'll get the ball and he'll just turn around and he'll just, like, kind of chuck it at the backboard. And then he'll make the shot. Like, he doesn't even leave his feet sometimes just because he's so damn tall that he can just shoot it over practically anyone. I just think it's hilarious to watch at times. Where he catches the ball is so important because if he catches the ball and he has one, if not two feet in the paint, something good normally happens. Like he will most likely either get fouled or he's not horrible at kicking it out sometimes. Um, But when he catches it, posts it up, and he gets pushed out of the paint and it's further out, it hardly ever works out unless he faces up and he doesn't dribble and he shoots. Uh, but when he starts dribbling, when he starts trying to get big and, and, and physical and backs up whoever's guarding him, <laughs> it hardly ever ends well. And so, I mean, post position for anyone, but specifically him means a whole, whole lot. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's a really astute observation and, Jack Herman in the chat asks, why can't he, meaning KP, do a drop step to the other side? He insists on forcing it to the middle of the key. Jack, this is a great question and something that I make fun of a lot because I, I view Porzingis as a seven foot three robot who he, you know, has has input commands like post up dot exe. And he does things like he thinks he's supposed to. Now the James Harden, he posted up James Harden in the first quarter and went baseline and reverse dunked it really hard. And that's the sort of like like fluid athletic move that he does not do near as often as I think he's capable of because he makes the decision to spin or drive into traffic a whole lot. There may be a reason for that. And I don't know, I'm not sure if, if, if that's like something that he was sort of taught to do or if he thinks he's going to get a foul because it, it doesn't really work the way that he wants it to a lot, a lot of the time. And I'm, I'm very confused by it. I really wish he would drop Steph because, you know, anybody in this chat that has ever played basketball knows that if you, like, with some of the angles that he's getting, particularly if he's on the right side of the block, his back is facing, and he use, needs to use his right foot to drop step, he could have a layup or a dunk because teams anticipate him going to the middle. It's it's really frustrating, Jack. That's a really good point, um, sir. What else do we have in the chat here? X plug note, uh, uh, notes that that lucky win don't get excited. No Kyrie, no KD. Absolutely agree with you here. But considering the season the Mavericks have have had to date, where they you know did they there was like six games into the season when they sat Luca and got ran off the floor versus the Bulls, and things were not you know. So I, I'm I'm going to take a win wherever the heck I get it. Uh, I'm going to be pretty excited about that one. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we're at, what, 40% of the season, about, if not a little bit over that. And we've dug ourselves such a hole that going into the All-Star break, you know, playing Boston, playing Philly, playing Brooklyn, and to go 2-1 in that series, I don't care who's sitting out, who's playing, who's not. (laughs) All these wins are absolutely necessary for us to start creeping up to – the goal has to be to not be in the play-in tournament, to to creep up to, uh, what is that, the sixth seed, if at all possible, and hope for a Spurs fall, which they won tonight, which was a little disappointing. Um, but, um, man, I, I, will, I will be happy with every win that happens, no matter who sits out, and even if it is. 
What if I told you that a six seed means that you're playing the Lakers right now? Bring it. <laughs> That's the, the probably you know I don't I don't anticipate that. Ryan, I'm supposed to be the grumpy one. Like what what is happening with this? Okay, like fine, you're bringing fine. all the all the rain. It's very very disappointing. Um, yeah, that just ruined everything. I have nothing. What did did anybody else really enjoy the Luka Doncic passing show where guys miss wide open shots? That was. Uh, that was another. I look. I look forward to Luca's potential assists tomorrow. He had Brunson twice in the corner, and the guy, the guys that don't hit uh, open threes are just going to kill me. Uh, someone sent me a stat in game, and I, I, I believe them, but I have not confirmed this that the Mavericks are shooting the league worst on wide open three pointers, which feels right. But I mean, I don't watch enough of the other teams to really get a sense of it. Um, guys, did anybody else, you know? stand out to you because this this you're looking at the if you look at the box score the Mavericks played every single available player but outside of like Dorian Finney-Smith and you know us kind of hyper focusing on Chris Stapp's Porzingis I'm not really sure if anyone else I mean I got Brunson at a pretty you know Brunson has another nice game off the bench like is there anything yeah. else that really stood out I wouldn't say anyone specific. I think it's exactly what you were saying and thinking about Brunson. It seems like every other kind of role player um, had just a good game. It, it wasn't anything that necessarily stood out besides, you know, Dorian, I would say, kind of played up and above what he usually um, plays at. And so, I mean, everything changed in the second half once we started consistently throwing doubles at Harden. And so, I mean, the the offense flew uh, – you know, flowed well and defense started getting stops. I mean, they, what hard had four points in the second half and that changed Ooh, everything. That's a good um, stat. I didn't catch that one. Yeah, I believe that's right. It was somewhere around there. Um, and so it just, that, that completely changed everything for Brooklyn. Um, and even the, <laughs> we were destroying Willie in the slack about his drop coverage with Joe Harris coming off screens. Um, and even that got a little bit better in the second half. And so it just seemed like defensive across the board but definitely led um, by Dorian. And even that one Luka uh, defensive possession on Harden, oh, inject that in my veins. That was beautiful. I love that kind of stuff because, I don't know, you give Luka a pass because he just carries so much offensive weight. And anytime he can get a steal, anytime he can show um, and, and just get a defensive stop is, I don't know, I just feel like that does wonders for everyone um, around him. So, yeah, overall, yeah, Harden good has- effort by everybody. Harden had four in the second half. Joe Harris had three. And then, I mean, you had nine Mavericks get at least one steal. They were really good on defense tonight, especially just forcing turnovers. Um, So I think that won you the game, just how they were able to create pressure. But that stat about wide-open threes is true. Dallas is last in the league right now at 36.1%. I don't think that's accounting for tonight. Uh, But second is the Wizards. So that should tell you all you need to know about what kind of positive regression they're due for, right? Which is is really going to be something to because are like against the the Nets tonight they hit fourteen of thirty six for just a hair below thirty nine percent from three, which is outstanding. And if they hit any sort of positive regression on these open threes, to where if it even goes up, so what's the league high on on open threes? The league high is forty four point nine percent from the Clippers, but the Nets are right behind them at forty three percent. So if the Mavericks could get to like 39%, that would – I feel like that they're 
I don't know how many open threes they get a game, but just sort of the eye test as I as I rage about this, particularly when I do recaps, because I'll I'll write down you know oh, missed open three. Um, the Mavericks, if if they hit one or two of those a game, I just things are going to really start start going their way, particularly. You know, the the chat noted that they have, you know, a pretty nice schedule to, to finish before All-Star break. Let's take a look here and see who all it is. I know I should know this. Like, they play the Magic uh, on at Monday. Magic. Yeah, at Magic and then OKC at home on Wednesday. That OKC game is, is going to be interesting because they're ostensibly not trying to win, but they have such, you know, they have a lot of winning players. So if, if the Mavericks were able to even split these next two and then head up, how to – uh, you know, after the all-star break and, and if they're able to make any sort of run at all, then we should be, you know, pretty pleased considering just how ridiculous this, you know, aspects of the first part of the season are. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty good, even though um, I'm sure those of those who, who listen to our podcast, I was so tired Thursday night. I, I woke up, like I probably got like four hours sleep. So by the time that the podcast was on, I was, like negative about life, let alone the Mavericks, and then they just got you know absolutely pummeled by MVP candidate Joel Embiid. So it was it was very it was it was very you know interesting to to really feel feel good about a game from start to finish, even though I'm looking at the box score and like nothing is is really standing out to me. Um, the chat notes that that Maxi Kleba looked awesome on defense tonight, and I am tempted I'm tempted to agree but I didn't watch closely enough. And, and I wondered what y'all's thoughts were on this. Yeah, I would see nothing stuck out besides, man, there was a few possessions. It felt like they were either back to back or just like within the same like minute or two where he was just moving his feet really well um, compared to recent games when he came back from sitting out due to COVID. And he, he hasn't really done it much this year, but I remember this either last year or the year before that. He has this like uncanny ability to body someone in the paint and then they try to get up a quick floater and his bounce, like he has a super quick bounce to get up and to block that shot. And he had a few of those moments in, I, th- I believe, the third quarter where, I, yeah, his defense was just solid. Um, but I can't recall even <laughs> who he was assigned to for most of the game. Uh, someone in the chat said that the Nets role players are, are bad and they were tonight. Uh, it's, it's, it's interesting to see this team without KD and Kyrie. Obviously, if you're missing any two stars, you're going to be, sure. a little, um, that's their know, team. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like um, KD plays in this game and it's a different, oh, it's uh, a horror show. Cause the Mavericks can't really do anything about, about and I think Kevin that's Durant. why some of these role players, at least the game, doesn't stick out to us because it's not like they had any super flashy plays against you know big name guys. Uh, I think they were just doing what they should have done versus some of these role players that uh, the Nets had to play. Um, unfortunately, or I guess fortunately for us tonight. Well, um, so here, there's a couple more things I wanted to hit. So someone in the chat looking for it right now. Aswin asks, "Does Luca's free throw slump worry you, or is it just a slump?" It doesn't worry me because he still lights out from downtown compared to where he was. And there's a pretty good correlation over time between free throws and three-point shooting ability. It usually goes the other way, where if a guy is a good free throw shooter, there's reason to believe that he'll be a good three-point shooter. 
And Luca, after going three of ten tonight, where he took some real tough ones, is shooting exactly thirty five percent on the year. It's something like uh, eighty for two hundred and twenty eight. And I'm I'm not I'm not concerned about his free throws. I bet he is pissed because free throws is something that prior to the last several games he's shooting exactly seventy seven percent before this before this game, and and he had actually made real progress in terms of, of his percentages where he was hovering in the eighties. And then he's just had two or three games in a row where he's missed like four five or six. And so that sort of thing is, is particularly, is particularly brutal. Um, let's see here. There's a really good. So Christian Gallegos asks, what do we make of KP not speaking to the media that half court three after not getting the ball from Luca kicking chairs? I'm nervous about the whole situation. So, let me tell everybody a secret. I will say that overall, the the kind of restrictions that COVID-19 has put on media team relations have improved what players have to say to the media. They're not getting dressed at their lockers. They're not surrounded by people as they're half naked. The Mavericks also tend to be pretty good about access but the result of, of the, the limited access means that if a guy doesn't want to talk, he really doesn't have anything to say. And it's – I wouldn't read too much into it. Porzingis just has a, a, has a little bit of a flair for the dramatic. And that is going to drive us crazy as Mavs fans because we're just used to mundane uh, – the most excitement we've had in the last five years is when Dennis Smith Jr., tried to force his way out and, you know, claimed to be sick only to be seen out, out and about amongst the city, uh, you know, going, going out to eat and stuff like that. So it's any sort of thing that feels weird gets amplified in Dallas. Now, does it matter? I, I have a hard time because like, I'm extremely dramatic just like generally. So it's really easy to look into this stuff and, and, and see what you want to see. I will say that, that, I keep coming back to the simplest solution to the KP plan is for if he doesn't want to be traded, then he should play like a guy who doesn't want to be traded. And Taylor Beatles notes in the slack, angry KP is the best KP. And I absolutely agree. Give a shit matters. And he sometimes really doesn't. Um, (laughs) Bag brooch notes, everyone trying to be Steph with those logo shots. I agree. It is crazy. Porzingis doesn't hit near enough of those for the ones that he takes, but I don't know. It, there's something to be said for the all-star on the tier, you know, for the, for the second banana getting, you know, they want to make him feel like he matters where I get frustrated. And I would love to hear, you know, Ryan and Tim y'all's thoughts on this. I feel like that the Mavericks have a tendency to edge over into indulging him past the point of being healthy. Yeah, uh, going back to the original question, I I wouldn't I wouldn't think too much of it, especially since he talked to the media yesterday after practice. If he hadn't talked to the media at all since these rumors started, um, then I would you know maybe think more of it. But no, all the things that you said, Kirk, it, it makes it makes perfect sense as to why he might not um, speak right now, but. Um, yeah, no, it, it's a, it's a weird 
it's just a weird situation that the Mavs have gotten themselves into. I don't think there's anything wrong with trying to figure out what people's trade values are. Um, but obviously things like that will get out. And as we were trying to figure out, okay, who do y'all think? Was it, you know, KP's camp? Was it other teams? Was it the Mavericks? Um, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. It got out and he has to deal with it. And for someone who has had the career like he has, the ups and downs, I think it's going to be hard on him, um, especially just with some of the, I don't know, just the personality things that we've seen, um, how, how he's handled different things, the emotion he shows on the bench. What was that, you know, a few weeks ago, hitting that water bottle that almost hit a coach and then kicking chairs and all that kind of stuff. You got to cater him to a little bit. I mean, he's your max player. You you believe that he can be the second guy um, next to, to Luka. Best case scenario for the Mavericks, I think, and I think I said this last week is that KP works like you, you, it, 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 he doesn't get traded. He stays and it works and, and, and we're able to add to the team with him and Luca. And so, um, you know, I'm not a GM, I'm not a coach. I haven't been around the NBA locker room, so I don't know all the ins and outs, but I, I feel like you got to cater to it a little bit. Uh, but at the same time, you got to expect, you know, like you said, performance, if you're not performing, then of course you're going to, you're going to be talked about in other business deals on how we can improve. That's just that's what any NBA team. Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, tonight I thought there were some good flashes of what it looks like uh, when you can cater to him. And, I mean, obviously, like, he's a guy who wants the ball in his hands. That's, that's just the way he plays and the way that he carries himself, which I don't think is always a bad thing. I mean, like you were talking about, when he plays angry, that's probably when he's at his best. And I was watching some of his Knicks highlights the other day, and, I mean, some of his best plays where he just gets mad, and then he just, like, ran to the rim and slammed it on somebody's head. But, I mean, tonight, giving him those post touches, that's intended to, like, regain his confidence. I can't remember if it was after a timeout or coming out of halftime, but there was one play where it was just so obvious that, it was designed for him to score, and he scored. He got the ball into the basket, which is good. Um, and then I just think he showed some really good flashes tonight of passing out of the post, which doesn't always work for him, and sometimes he does tend to you know, not always look for the pass and takes a tough shot. But, yeah, I think if you're getting those kind of looks from him, then I think you live with it. But obviously, like, you're not like saying, all right, let's keep it up whenever he's shooting a half court shot with 20 seconds left on the shot clock like that's just ridiculous he's he's also like just real quick he's also a rhythm player like if you've noticed the games that he has played and has started the first possession offensive possession for the Mavericks is a a down screen to get him the ball somewhere uh either right at the paint or right outside the paint to get him a shot it was similar to the Dirk era where we would always get that down screen for him to have that elbow mid-range jumper to start almost every game and it seems like if you can get him going early, then it's going to be a good night for him. And that's what made the half-court heave like just so ridiculous is that, I mean, he only shot two threes tonight, and he was 0 for 2. Um, usually those are the shots that he makes when he's having just an awesome rhythm night. It, last last year's um, Bucks game, he hit like three of those, and it was just because he was in the zone. Where, you know, tonight it made absolutely no sense because that wasn't the game plan at all. I mean, you've got Jeff Green guarding you down low. Yeah, you should get the ball down low. That makes sense because that is a disadvantage uh, for the opposite team. So, overall, I thought it was a good KP night, and I I agree. Angry KP. I hope that they have some film discussion where we're talking about the distance from the basket on the post-ups 
because I really agree with what you said earlier to where, and, and, and Jeff Van Gundy talked about this, to where the best post-up is the one that doesn't involve that much action after getting the ball. And there was one seal where KP got an and one where he posted up Jeff Green on the right block and then proceeded to essentially seal him across the lane as the ball rotated. Then he got the ball almost right under the basket. All he had to do was flip it up, and he did, and he scored. Where he has to make multiple moves is where I get very concerned, and he seems to like to do that stuff. He likes the dribbling. He likes the 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 skill. Unfortunately, it just doesn't pay off as much as I think he believes it does, as evidenced by the fact that he's never had a year where he finished even at league average from a true shooting position standpoint. So, I don't know. It's it's a progress type thing. I, I will say that I felt his defensive energy was much better, and he's such a good speaker to the media where he said something like Rachel Nichols talked about this, about how he acknowledges that he's been a step slow and yada, yada, yada. And it's, you know, that's kind of the first time I remember hearing him say this from all the post-game commentary. Um, it's, it's really something to, to, I'm just glad that we're all kind of on the same page. I started railing about this about three weeks ago and people thought I was a lunatic, which I mean, I am, but doesn't mean I was wrong. And so to see everybody kind of catch up on the defensive end has been, has been kind of nice. Um, well, we could probably talk about, about the specifics of this game forever, but it, it was a good win. They have two more games before the All-Star break. It would be killer if the Mavericks could somehow, in the All-Star break, two games above five hundred. Uh, I feel like at one point, weren't they nine? And f- I feel like there are six games under five hundred at one point, or was it five games? Anyways, I'm not sure. Well, we've been doing this for about a half hour now, and this has been exactly what I had hoped. Um, I appreciate all the people who have been popping in here regularly. We have a good number of folks in the room. Does anybody have any uh, questions where they'd like to get on the mic before we get out of here? I'm, I'm happy to uh, to talk with anyone. Taylor, what's going on? Hey, what's up, guys? How are you doing? Well, thanks for joining us. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I just had a question. You know, we keep talking about, and I may have missed it at the beginning, so just tell me to shut up if I did. But uh, did like what was the difference in KP's energy or on defense? Was it just the energy, or was it something that I wasn't noticing? And like, could we ask for a game where he, you know, where he has an, an excellent game against a team that actually has an above-average big? This is a good question. No, we didn't talk about the specifics, but where the Mavericks have been getting killed is on any sort of drive. And he has often let guys go past him in an attempt to block from behind. There were multiple instances where James Harden drove into him and passed. And Dorian got called for some really bullshit phantom calls, in my opinion. But he was much more active earlier. He was doing his work. You know, I, I hate that. God, I sound like a coach. He was doing his work early where he, you know, made the fact that he was seven foot three available. Um, there was one real cool play where he stonewalled uh, Harden in the third quarter, and Dorian came from behind to block Harden, and they went on a fast break. And that's just the sort of thing that that Porzingis was not doing early on in the year, where he was late to help in almost all circumstances, resulting in you know the the Mavericks giving up some really frustrating shot attempts. Now, 
I'm pretty critical of him, but not all of that is on him. Uh, Dorian has, has been pretty rough himself. And as we talked about earlier, Dorian has been, uh, Dorian looked great tonight. So it, it's, you know, basketball is such, we talk about basketball in really uh, isolated terms sometimes where it's like, oh, player X did well, but, you know, X, Y, Z excuses. When your teammates play well, it's easier for you to play well. And, and it really kind of fed downhill for the Mavericks tonight. Again, it's probably not the best example because the Nets were really talent devoid tonight, but it's, it's, something, to, uh, it's something to be happy about. Um, Noah asks, uh, possible trade deadline, tra- trade pieces at the deadline. I'll probably, we'll probably talk about this during the All-Star break. Uh, I can't remember when the trade day deadline is. We've chatted about it a little bit. Um, but honestly, March 25th. March 25th. So we have, oh God, a month. Are you kidding me? Um, we're going to be able to talk about this at length, and I'm not super prepared to talk about it at the moment. Jason, what's going on? Oh, hey, guys. So this might be the wrong time to add this question, but I feel like I have to because ah, we're right it. before the trade deadline, which is, is this team soft? And it's like kind of a loaded word to say, but this team gets really emotional. You see like Tim get hit in the nuts and he gets super amped up and starts <laughs> playing well. You see KP, he gets super pissed about trade dreamers. He starts playing hard. Like Luca, he gets kind of sulky sometimes when a shot isn't going in or people miss open threes. And like, I don't think it's a bad thing, but I feel like it's it's a young team and they don't have a veteran leader. And I think JJ Barea might have been pretty important. So I don't know. I mean, you're not the only one who thinks this. This was Tim McMahon's kind of talking point on either the Zach Lowe podcast or the the Hoop Collective podcast maybe two weeks ago. And I've sort of walked back my my feelings on Brea time or two to where I didn't really want him to play, but I could see his importance on the bench. And that that has been that's been a really big big deal in terms of of what's going on with these Mavericks. To where I don't necessarily think they're soft, but I think they're unstable is not the right word. But they they're really affected by by the moment. To where when the highs feel incredible and the lows feel awful, and that's the first time. In a long time. I mean, I don't know if I've ever felt this way during my Mavs fan tenure just because Jerk and so many other players have been there the whole time. This is a good question. I, I, I do think that, that they'll look to improve in some way, shape, or form. But I'm not sure what is going to happen to where that will make a substantive difference. Because even if you trade in a vet, it doesn't help in the way that you might think because, you know, a vet needs to have some cachet over time within the locker room. So this, this is a good question though. It's something we're going to be thinking about. Um, we did have a speaker request, but it, it, it went away. Um, if someone wants to, I saw it, but I was in the middle of answering a question. Um, so Jack Herman, this, this is a good one. Jack Herman wants us to talk about the G league guys. And I know Ryan is still in here. Uh, so friend of the show, our, our, my former colleague, I'm Mavs money ball. Dalton Trigg had, uh, had, who did he have on, um, Tyrell Terry today on his podcast and, you know, uh, who else has been playing really well? So the, the G League guys have been looking good. Tyler Bays look good. I'm not so sure about Josh Green, to be honest with you, but it's good. So so let's, let's talk, Ryan. So let's, you know, I I hate to do the talk about thing to another journalist, but (laughs) let's talk about it for a minute and talk about why we think it does or doesn't matter. 
Yeah, well, I think that, you know, at some point it does matter. I mean, you're at least seeing a little bit about what these guys can be. I mean, especially from Bay, like, I'm I'm a big draft guy. um, And just throughout the entire draft process, I just really struggled to see it with Bay. Um, And just because I didn't really know what his offense would be, like, watching his defensive tape, it was incredible. Like, his instincts are off the chart on the defensive end. But I just did not know if his offense would be playable in the NBA. And I think we're seeing a little bit of that. And then, I mean, Freddie Gillespie, who's not even with the Mavericks anymore, he's looked really good um, just even running the offense out of the post at times. Um, But, I mean, I think to some extent it does matter because you're at least getting tape on these guys and they're gaining confidence. Uh, But at the same point, you do have to – keep a level head on your shoulders and acknowledge that these guys are just playing against lesser competition than in the NBA. I mean, it's an entirely different game. And I hate to be the guy that's like, uh, don't expect it to be fun whenever they get to this level, but it is just a different game in the NBA. But I definitely do think that there are some really positive takeaways to just study from what these guys are doing. And I definitely think it's a good thing for everyone involved. So, I want you, you, I trust your, your assessments better than mine. I, I've not watched a minute of any of the, the G League bubble, but what I have done is during my career as doing this for fun, I've gone to the NBA Summer League seven times. I've watched no less than a hundred Summer League basketball games. My broad based takeaways from Summer League are that if you suck, it's a concern. If you're good, it might not matter. Is yeah. that is that does that relate at all to the G League from what you think? Yeah, I think so, and, and I think you have to also kind of factor into the discussion that you know these guys they're all here for a month, and I mean ultimately like nobody in the G League is like let's get to the G League finals. Like everyone in the G League is like let me get my call up. Right. So you have to think about that the game is a little bit different and that these guys are just trying to make themselves look as good as possible, and it doesn't always translate to the next level. So I do think that that's a good point to make, um, and I definitely do think that, you know, if you are struggling to score down there, then that's definitely going to be difficult to overcome, especially uh, when you're playing for a guy like Rick Carlisle who's not very patient. Um, with your mistakes. The only guy I've seen overcome it is is Dorian Finney-Smith, yeah. where there was one summer league where him and, was it Nicholas? It was his first name Nicholas? It was Brasino, the guy from Argentina, was also on the summer league team, and they were both horrendous. As Dennis Smith was point guard and, and was just threading needles of passes, and neither could finish anything. It was awful. I, I was sure... Both of them were going to be cut. And Nico, as as Jason points out in the chat, thank you for that, uh, were just – and then Dorian somehow worked out. And not only did it work out, he's a starter. So I, I trust the Mavericks' ability to develop guys that have the tools. I, I will say I'm a little frustrated that Green is not on the roster at the moment because what he's doing in the G League is not impressive enough and I was sort of, I would sort of like him to like to see him in some of these games. And it's been very frustrating for me to watch Rick Carlisle kind of let guys that are on the 
you know, the, for lack of a better description, the senior roster make the same mistakes that he would, you know, send Josh Green to the phantom zone for. Um, but, you know, it, playing time is important, and it's, it's, it's good these guys are, are getting these. Um, Noah Jensen points out, how great would it have to be Sadiq Bey? I don't know, because I don't think Sadiq Bey is shooting that well. What, wasn't he shooting in, like, the high 30s at one point, or am I making that up, Ryan? Uh, he's shooting really well from three, but he's shooting, like, 30-something percent on two-point attempts. I have to go double-check that real quick. But his numbers are really weird. I mean, throughout the entire draft process, I was kind of calling him like Dorian Finney-Smith 2.0 or like Wes Matthews light. Um, just because his game, it's it's kind of stagnant. Like he's going to be like a 3 and D guy probably, and that's going to be his ceiling. Um, his numbers actually do look a little bit better now. So he's shooting 41% from deep and 44% on two-point ascent. So that's not great, but... It's some progress. Yeah. It's because at one point he was in the high 30s. And so, yeah, I mean, it's tough because our whole staff, our whole staff wanted Desmond Bain. <laughs> yep. Yep. No and, and, and as Richard Romero points out in the chat, the Mavs just need talent. And, man, I, I, I could not. That's just it's such a simple statement. And they're just, I don't want to say they're devoid of talent. Like, they have a top five player in the league. And they have a potential top 20 player in KP. But these, you watch this sort of stuff. And, and I, I, you know, tonight I'm very pleased with where the Mavericks are. I, I still think that given the right, you know, series of circumstances, the Mavericks could be very interesting. But that Sixers game last, on Thursday, just sort of opened up my my eyes in terms of just how far the Mavericks have to go. Um man, we could probably just keep talking, but you know it's eleven forty five on a Saturday. I've been up for far too long. Uh you know, children and the like. But uh, I really appreciate everybody for joining this. This has been uh these are fun. Ryan and Tim, I appreciate you guys hanging out. Everybody else that joined in here. We got a lot of the a lot of the same folks, which is outstanding. I feel like we're having a good time. Um, I'll probably aim to do one of these midweek, if not in the second half of the week, depends on what's going on with uh, the break. I, I should know when all this stuff happens because I run a website, but, uh, you'd be shocked at how often I'm just trying to make it to tomorrow. So this has been another episode of, uh, Mavs Moneyball Live. I appreciate everybody's, uh, hanging out with us and, you know, send me emails, send us tweets. We, uh, we have a great time doing this. Everybody have a good rest of your weekend. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.